Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Welcome back to Mom Brain. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Lara Devgan. In this episode, we will cover all the different methods Dr. Devgan uses to help moms after childbirth, as well as many non-surgical methods of rejuvenation. If you've ever thought about getting a boob job or a nose job, this episode is for you. For some, that might mean, you know, just a little TLC, getting a facial or a little bit of a hydrating treatment or using a special cream or serum. And for other people, that might mean a little nip tuck and a little bit of boob job. She talks about all of it. I think you guys are going to really find this to be very interesting. This is a bat. So we let you do the hard part and just give us your quick bio and where people can find you and follow you. All the details. I'm Dr. Lara Devkin, and I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon in New York City and the mom of six young children. And you guys can find me on my Instagram, which is the most fun thing for me. So that's at Lara Devkin, MD. Okay, but we have so many questions. And I guess we want to talk about you as mom. And we're, we, we go all over the place, and then okay. we'll kind of like hone it in. I know our producers are very excited that we go all over the place because it makes their job extra easy. Right, Cal? Yay! <laughs> Get to follow Ilaria and Daphne. Me around with their <laughs> madness. <laughs> okay, what is an eyebrow lift? So if Ooh, you write ha- it, we're gonna like just get it right into I'd it. Want, I've <laughs> always wanted no to time. know. Let's get right to it. So there's a surgical brow lift mm-hmm. and a non-surgical. So a non-surgical eyebrow lift is with Botox, and mm. we use Botox in a carefully placed manner to give you a little bit of an improvement in your eyebrow arch and the lateral third of the brow. So by Injecting really carefully into the 43 different muscles of facial expression, we can give you a little tweak and improvement in femininity. Mm. What is the most feminine look for a brow? Is it an arch situation? Is it? Yeah. So first of all, it depends who you ask. I, th- I think I think in L.A., the ideal brow is a little bit more arched. And in New York, people like a little bit of a fuller, flatter brow. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, an ideal female eyebrow is one shade darker than the hair of the head. Um, it's one centimeter above the orbital rim, which is this bony prominence right here. Okay. And the arch is halfway between the lateral limbus, which is the edge of the color of your eye, the edge of your iris, and the lateral canthus, which is the edge of the corner of the homage part of your eye. Oh, interesting. So not at the center of your iris, theoretically. It's at the edge of your eye until the white part halfway between them. Yeah. So if you look at your iris, between the iris and the edge of the pointy part of your eye, and you go right up, that's where the ideal eyebrow arch is supposed to be. Interesting. Mm. I feel like someone needs to, to teach that to all 13-year-olds with a tweezer who think that they're like, you know, going to just 100%. win. What do we think about microblading? We, I think that it's not a bad idea. I mean, if you do it well, it's a little bit of a permanent commitment or a semi-permanent commitment. Yeah. So you don't want to microblade your eyebrows in an undesirable aesthetic manner. Right. But if you like it, I think it because can help. Because this is what I've been very interested in. I mean, where I'm I'm somebody, I'll, I'll like pencil mine in. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do a lot of tweezing. I was, thank God, I don't know where I was in the 90s, but I wasn't plucking my eyebrows <laughs> because a lot of people did and they overplucked and now they're, you know, trying to grow them back in. And so microblading seems to have really helped 
helped that out a lot. Um, but I'm just interested in it in terms of like brows are really in right now. Totally. And, and the, so it's like the lift, the fullness, the color. They really frame the face. You know, if the eyes are the windows to the soul, then the eyelids and the eyebrows are the curtains. Mm-hmm. And you can really make an impact just by having mm. a beautiful brow and changing the shape and the fullness and all of that can have a huge impact. I tint mine a little bit. Do you ever tint your eyebrows? I've never done anything uh, to my eyebrows other than, again, over tweeze them as a, a teenager. But I do think, <laughs> I, do think um, I, I do, which by the way is a problem because for those of you listening who are still like virgins to that, it, it's a problem because sometimes your hair does not grow back and you end up with these bald spots. And I, that's why I think um, the microblading is an interesting possible route for me. But I do get ner- I get nervous about any permanent augmentation or change to a face that feels uh like in vogue right now that mm-hmm. might not be in well, you know that's five years. what I'm interested in and I don't have all the information with microblading but it's just like my my like past two week like obsession with yes. thinking about it <laughs> yes. um, is well what I find to be in- th- interesting about it is that it isn't permanent it's semi permanent so it but like whereas like the over plucking thing ended up being permanent Correct. to so many people. Correct. So the question is, is this truly semi-permanent? Well, so that's perfect. That is the perfect segue because I think one of the things that we were both so excited to chat with you about, Dr. De- Devgan, is um, what are some of the <laughs> the, the non-invasive test practices that mothers in particular, let's, let's do it this way. What are the biggest problem zones you think moms deal with? I'm sure in your practice you've seen everything under the sun, but there have got to be some that feel more prevalent than others. I'm talking under eye bags, dark circles, wrinkles in certain places, fatigue, facial sagging. What you know, I I know that in my future I will have we call it a gullet in my family. It's like that wobbly <laughs> chin skin that's just going to happen. Um so what what are the sort of most typical things that you're treating? And then what are the what are some of the ways that you like how how do some of these moms just come out and you know they did something but you can't really put your finger on it? What are some of those techniques? Yeah, well so 2019 is really the era of the tweakment and we have so Ooh, many oh, little so yeah it's like a <laughs> tiny little tweak treatment we have so many little tiny minimally invasive things that can be done to micro optimize facial beauty so if you are worried about a little bit of wrinkling in your forehead or between your brows that can be softened with um, micro droplet botox if you are worried that you have hollowing and dark circles under the eyes we can use a little bit of a complex sugar molecule called hyaluronic acid to soften that and make it look less shadowed. And the list goes on and on. I mean, you can give someone a little bit more cheekbone definition, a little bit more improvement in vertical lip height, and you can soften skin, complexion. You know, forget about the body. That's a whole yeah. a whole other podcast. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think the most important thing when thinking about these little interventions, especially for moms, is not that we are trying to breed a a generation of Stepford wives who feels like they have to be these perfect little feminine robots um, with not a wrinkle in sight. It's more just like meeting people where they are. And if you feel like you want a little something to feel more like your old self or a little bit more confident, and it can be done in a safe and medically responsible manner, then there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Do you feel like you're talking your patients off a ledge a lot? Are they like coming to you saying, you know, I want duck lips or whatever and you say do you are you 
I guess what's the process? Someone comes to you with their face, and someone forgot. Someone say Daphne comes to you with their face, <laughs> and uh, what's the process like in terms of how you help them navigate what they might, li- what, what kind of tweakments they might like to have done? So I first start just by asking someone what their concerns are, and um, you know, just understanding why they're there. And a lot of times people will come in with a really specific reason, like, oh, you know, I'm concerned after breastfeeding my three children that my breasts are deflated and I Correct. want them to look yes. a little yes. bit more <laughs> like they used to. Raising my hands right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's all this stuff mm-hmm. you don't think about. So sometimes it's something really specific like that. Other times someone will come in and they'll just say, you know what? I feel great, but everyone is asking me why I'm upset and tired looking. So can you just help me feel fresher? Um, sometimes people have an ongoing problem like um, acne scars or wrinkles. And other times it's a more discreet thing like, um, you know, they're concerned about neck laxity and they are interested in a surgical facelift. Mm-hmm. So people are very different. And I think part of the art of plastic surgery is super customization. It's it's a bespoke field because every single person is different. Everyone's anatomy is different. Every approach is different. So you don't have like the dev gun look. You don't have a... No, I don't. I mean, I think if I were to describe like the Devgan look or, you know, I've had patients call it the Devgan glow up. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that I really like this idea of micro optimization where it's almost like a Snapchat filter or a Facetune where you can make a bunch of tiny millimeter level changes so that you can't really tell that anything is different, but someone just looks better. Well, see, that, and that's the thing is that, I mean, I think that we all have this bad, going back to the 90s, this, I mean, what people did to their faces and it wasn't. And they all look the same now. And they all look the same and they regret it. Um, I've definitely had conversations with people who really went overboard and they regretted it. Um, and there's our doctors who told them that this is what was to, to do. So I love that right now as people are starting to get into, you know, this is, it is these micro things and it is things that are not necessarily permanent um, and allowing, I mean, there, we need to age. Like the face Completely. needs to age, but how can we do it in a way that we like better? There is no fountain of youth. I think like, I mean, if that's right, no. No, yeah. I know. Absolutely. But I, but I think, you know, the same way putting on a great outfit can help you carry yourself differently, can help you put forward your best effort. Um, I think having, I think aging gracefully is, it's, is, is obviously the goal. But I think every once in a while, your biology sets you up for, you know, a specific thing that makes you feel older than you are, more tired than you are. Like what you just said, someone comes to your office, I feel amazing. Why is everyone asking me if I'm tired? First of all, that is the rudest, most annoying (laughs) question ever. Or when your kids ask you, like, mom, why are you mad? And you're like, I'm very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you see? (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, no, because I I do think, I go back and forth. On on the one hand, I think I, I get kind of chicken about the idea that whatever it might be that would bother me about my face, if I did something that was permanent and I couldn't go back on it, I would hate what I did more. Um, or I would, you know, be, be I would regret it. I would Because you know, it's not an outfit that you can take off. Completely. And and because, you know, my grandmother is who I go to for all kinds of life advice and I always think she's so wise on this, but she, you know, she's she's the type of person who is uh, I don't know. It, it was it for I think for their her, for her generation, it was very much you what you were what you were not even just respect what you admire and what you're sort of find so beautiful are those women who you, you see the lines of their life. You see the experiences that they've had reflected with them, but they've taken really good care of themselves. And I think um, 
I think I want to find a happy middle ground if I do want to take really good care of myself. I don't want to rely on interventions that I don't need to. But I love this idea of A, being able to test things before you have to fully commit. So I I, I follow you on Instagram. I love getting to see these sort of non-surgical rhinoplasties and um, you know, under eye bags is something that I think a lot about. And there's, like you were saying you were holding up this crazy look it looked like fake ice and it was the sugar molecule that could would eventually become filler um and this idea that you can use filler to fill in, you know, hollowing under the eyes or whatever. I love that all of that can be done so you can see what the effect would be without actually having to commit to it because it can all be dissolved. Um and so I just I I think it's I also think I feel like if all if if again it's a lot of life is just comparative if you're looking around you and all your girlfriends are not aging the same way you are it's really not fair <laughs> yeah so. and i mean i think that also like kind of on a bigger level for so long society has beat us down with this message that you can either be a person of substance or you can be a frivolous person who cares about their looks and is obsessed with their appearance and you know where is the gray area in mm-hmm. between like we are a complex humans and men and women and you can be a feminist with lipstick on Mm -hmm. you know and you can care about your appearance and also make meaningful contributions in the courtroom or the boardroom or the operating room or the hello doctor (laughs) right i'm saying and so you know i i kind of think that we need to stop criminalizing stuff that is really part of the human condition. Like since the first Neanderthal looked in his reflection in a puddle a zillion years ago, people have been wanting to work on their abs and color their gray hair and wear a certain kind of heel because it makes their legs look better and et cetera. And so it's really a slippery slope between that and, you know, a mascara and getting rid of your wrinkles and feeling a little more confident with the straighter nose. And and I, I just kind of think that we need to be less judgmental of the personal choices people make about their own bodies. And it does not mean that this is a PSA for plastic surgery. (laughs) And and I find that women sometimes, we are so judgmental to each other. I mean, men, uh, a lot of times they won't even notice. They don't care. They're like, do whatever you want, whatever. I just want to like, you know, do X, Y, and Z by the end of the night. You know what I mean? (laughs) Whatever. But, But you know what? I mean, like, I think one of the things that we try so much on this podcast and I'm sure that as you guys are all listening it's it's you know here some of you guys are thinking no don't do anything ever and then some of you guys are like I want to hear this ask, <laughs> ask more questions ask more questions so I mean I think that the most important thing is exactly what you say you know whether you're putting on mascara or you're coloring your hair or you know you're wearing a certain shoe or you want to do some Botox and some filler and stuff like that it's whatever makes you feel better at the end of the day and if you're doing it with good intentions and good reasons then then everybody stop being so judgmental yeah it's, 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 so can we now can we ask more questions now yeah, that, okay that was the fine okay. okay so now more questions okay how do you make sure for people I mean you know not everybody's going to be able to come and see you I think one of the biggest fears that people have is that they're going to leave there and they're going to look scary yeah and we know that it's possible because it definitely definitely happens so women and men who are listening to this podcast who are going out there and they want to like do their lips or do their cheekbones or do like a little botox or whatever whatever it is what kind of conversations how can they find somebody who's good what kind of conversations can they have with people to explain exactly what they want 
I would say take your search off of Instagram. Like, sure, sure, start there because we all live on our cell phones now. But um, research someone's credentials. Make sure that they're the real deal. You know, I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. It takes 20 years to become an overnight sensation. And, um, you know, make sure that the education and training and all of that is there because it's sort of like, you know, friendship where everything's great when the sun is shining. You need someone who's going to be able to solve a problem and take great care of you in the extremely unlikely event of an emergency. And that's where credentials really make a difference. I would say look at before and after photos. You know, there's no one cookie cutter approach to a breast augmentation or a facelift or Botox or non-surgical rhinoplasty or any of these other cool little things. Um, But if you look at a lot of different example images, you will see people who remind you of characteristics that you might have. And you might see some results that you hate and some that you love. But if you just get to know a surgeon's body of work, then I think that will give you more comfort. And then the final piece of advice is trust your gut. And that's true for everything, right? So if you walk into someone's office and you have it all set in your mind that you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and for whatever reason, you get this sinking feeling like this is not right or it's not what you think it's going to be, then just, you know, elegantly exit the situation. (laughs) Thank you very much. Does it help you when people show up with like, I want to look like this person or, you know, do, do people, do people show up with inspiration images? I mean, is it like Pinterest? How do we, how do they, how do they guide you into what they're sort of looking to achieve? Yeah. You know, that's such a good question. People often show up with inspiration images. And even more recently, people are showing up with their own face tuned and Snapchat filtered photos, which is like so cool and interesting. That's so meta. It's so meta. I mean, in previous eras, people would come in with the cover of a magazine, like Mm -hmm. make me into this beautiful supermodel. Mm -hmm. And now people are coming in and in a way, it's a democratization of beauty. And I almost think that it's more healthy. Yeah. I lo- no, I was going to say, I absolutely yeah. love it. Well, people said to me, you know, if I ever, because I, you know, have had, I've had four babies that I've breastfed. Um, and, you know, you like sort of, you dream and who knows what I'm going to end up doing. Um, but people say, take a picture when, after the first engorgement, when your boobs are exactly <laughs> like you like them. Take a picture. And that's the picture. Do you that have a picture of your boobs before you had kids? My husband does. <laughs> but you'd want to take them to the first. You'd want to make them with what they look like. You know what's interesting? So when I I broke my hip about a year or so before I met Alec. And so I started swimming. And I was swimming breaststroke with my head above the water because I'm very um, vain about my hair. And I didn't want to put it in. So I wanted the exercise, but I couldn't run at that point. And so I was I was doing breaststroke. And I lost my boobs. From doing oh, the breaststroke. I know, because I had boobs before, lost them. They came back when I stopped swimming. Uh, I know, interesting. interesting. So I have like photos of like when I first, you know, started dating Alec, but my body was different before that because at that point I was, you know, swimming to re- recuperate my hip. Right. Um, so yeah, no, but it, so it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I've, I have photos of different things, but, but I feel like, you know, some, some parts, I mean, who knows, but like some part of me feels like, Hey, you know what? It was kind of nice when you had like a little extra milk in there to like lift them up. And people always <laughs> accuse me of getting my boobs done. I'm like, I just had a baby. Do you guys know nothing? <laughs> like, yeah. So when all I was in there, I pushed the baby out and then I had a surgeon put some implants in at the same time. You're a good multitasker. Multitasker, so so efficient. What What are some of the? Let's talk breasts because I think people. We are we are moms. We are focused on them. What our uh, kids are focused on? Our kids are really. (laughs) Our husbands are really focused on them. Everyone (laughs) is obsessed with our boobs. Um, What What are some of the? 
what are some of the options? Because I know there's there's like, first of all, nipple reconstruction. I feel like my girlfriends and I somehow inevitably end up talking about that whenever we go out to dinner, which is bizarre. Um, a breast lift, breast augmentation, restructuring. Like what are what are these sort of so options? So there are so many options. Um, but a lot of women who've had kids experience deflational atrophy. Mm-hmm. And basically that means that the breast tissue shrinks because you have all these weight fluctuations. You're gaining and losing sometimes 50 or more pounds right. per pregnancy. Um, and then every time you engorge your breasts for nursing and then deflate them, that's kind of more stress. And imagine like you know, an accordion or a rubber band that you stretch. After time, it loses its elasticity, so you can get really deflated. So Is that why the fatty part at the top feels like it gets flatter? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. yeah. And they used to be perky, and now they're not. And then not only that, but like the breast tissue that you do have is a little bit looser, and so it's not quite as like plump and youthful and firm as, mm-hmm. as you know, we recall. We all recall. I have six kids, so I like totally appreciate this. <laughs> We're going to get to that on because a personal I'm fascinated level. by this. Um, <laughs> but so the options are breast augmentation, which is with an implant, um, and that can be used for lifting as well as size. Um, there's breast lift, which can be used if you like your size in a bra, but you just want them to be higher and perkier, and you can even use your own tissue to make them um, a better shape. Um, There's breast reduction for women who have um, breasts that are too large after all of these changes. And then there's a combination of the above. So and that's where we super customize things like like sometimes people need a small implant and a little lift or they have asymmetry because their kids favored one side. Oh, yes, of course. You know, switch up those kids, by the way. That's Mm -hmm. my public service announcement. What's um, what's the. What's the sort of most natural looking result? Well, what's your favorite implant? And then what's the what's the one that sort of gives you the most, again, youthful looking, but but natural. Yeah, okay. Natural. So I like smooth, round um, implants. Um, most of my patients, about 95%, will use a highly cohesive silicone gel implant, which implant, which is um, kind of colloquially referred to as a gummy bear implant. I've heard that Ooh. those can be dangerous, though. <laughs> no. So here's what you're hearing. Textured implants are the ones that are coming under a lot of fire. That's different from a so, gummy bear. So um, a textured so gummy bear just refers to the squeeziness level of the implant. Uh, okay, okay. There's also texturing. So I like smooth implants that are not textured because we avoid all of the um, issues associated with textured implants, um, which can be malrotation, seroma, or ALCL, which is a super rare um, entity that has been reported in a very small number of women with textured implants. So I think, generally speaking, Getting your best advice from your plastic surgeon is probably going to be the best thing to get you the result that you want. My preference is for um, smooth, round, um, squeezy implants that are highly cohesive, which means that even if you cut them open, they don't leak. They mm-hmm. kind of maintain their structure. So, so smooth, round means it go. It, does it cover the whole boob or does it just go under the boob? Like. Where, for, how, oh, where yeah, you, the entrance point. Where There's do you all these different. Them? I've learned that you can go yeah. through the nipple or the you armpit. You can go underneath. You can go through the armpit. So that is true. Very good. <laughs> well, I'm somebody, who, I'm somebody who I will like pick your brain if you can't tell. I will know absolutely everything about it like 10 years before I do something. <laughs> so I Prepare. feel like you really did your homework. You're really good at that. Um, so, yeah, I think the most preferable location for an incision and the one that I've used even on models and people who don't wear clothes very often mm-hmm. um, 
is underneath the breast fold, so in the inframammary fold, and um, that's shadowed very well and it heals really nicely. You can also place an implant through the areola or in the armpit, but those are slightly more contaminated roots, um, and so there is a slightly higher risk of infection and something mm-hmm. called capsular contracture if you go through one of those things. And then I've also heard that if you do that through the nipple, you could lose like sensitivity, yeah. although after, after breastfeeding so many children. I mean, like it was getting out. <laughs> How do you maintain um, under boob? Because if you want them perky, but you still want the, you know, side boob and under boob, how do you do that? So um, that's just like kind of with careful technique. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like um, the artistry of plastic surgery. You know, imagine if you give 100 people a piece of paper and a pencil not all 100 are going to make a picture that you want to put on your wall. Maybe only one or two of them are going to make a drawing that you actually like and would put in a frame. And so I think that everyone's different about what they like in their taste in art, whether you want you know, a Warhol or a Kandinsky or a Van Gogh. And so you sort of have to find your surgeon who has your speed and your aesthetic vision who can help you get the result you want. What's your favorite procedure to do? Good question. I love... Um, three things the best. Face and neck lift, eyelid surgery, because that's just so compelling. And I think facial identity and facial beauty is, you know, really precise and down to the millimeters. And I love breast augmentation. So those are my top three surgical procedures. And then for non-surgical, I love facial contouring with injectable fillers. And like my non-surgical rhinoplasty is the one that's gone mega viral. Um, And then I love you know, the cheekbones represent 70% of facial beauty. So I love a little bit of like cheekbone jawline. I think you can do really elegant things. And um, just just with this idea that beauty is in the millimeters and that it's all in the details and just tiny little tweaks can change the feeling of the face. Okay, so for for those of us who are, I haven't done anything because one of, because I'm still having children and have this idea in my head not well researched, but I have this idea in my head that like, okay, have the kids, then get into it. Um, but who knows how many to go on at this? Who knows how many kids I'm going to have? And especially looking at you, all of a sudden I feel very competitive and I need to have two more. <laughs> um, maybe I'll do it with twins and then we'll be done. I know. I just want the know. twins. Yeah, I the twins would be twins. so much fun except carrying them. You guys, them. they're murder on your body. I, know, oh, I, I know, had a set of okay. twins. So what was but, well, that? you're so tiny. I know. How, how, what was your recovery from that? What was the deal there? Okay, so I have six kids. I have a seven-year-old, four-year-old twins, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a nine-month-old. Oh, oh What it. is bedtime like in your house. It takes a while. (laughs) It's not as restful as you'd hope. Um, But my twin pregnancy was the one where, you know, that's a tough pregnancy, especially I'm not the hugest person in the world. For those of you who cannot see, (laughs) she's tiny. She's you, I believe, are even you're smaller than I am. How tall are you? I'm like five, four or five, five. No way. Oh, I'm five, three. Hmm. You're we'll very, measure them you're after. Very, you're, you're very thin and slim. I think it's but I wear heels all the time, so I just think I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so twin pregnancy. Uh, and then I want to get back. I want to know oh, no, what we're you going can back. do, we're going Daphne. Back. We're going back. We're going back. Okay, twins. so twin pregnancy. Um, okay, so I probably gained 50% of my body weight or more in order to have the twins. And it was one of those things where I felt really chic from my singleton pregnancies where like from the back, you couldn't necessarily tell I was pregnant. And you started with a boy too. Your first was a boy? But for my twin pregnancies, it was like a gigantic beach ball. And you could tell from all angles. Are they boys or girls? (laughs) That my twins are boys. They're fraternal boys. So you had boy, 
two boys. And then my fourth is a boy, and then my two babies are girls. Did you want to make sure that you had sisters for your for the the, the girl, a sister for the girl and brothers for the boy? Yeah, I think, my, you know, I'm one of four. My husband's one of three. We didn't really plan on having a big family. We thought maybe we'd have three kids or something like that or maybe four. Um, but then we re- we had four boys in a row. They're so adorable and awesome. But we were just, I was dying to have a daughter. And so we like went for it and had a daughter. And then um, we had a little sister for her. That's so nice. By the way, the twins destroy your body. That well, was that, my, so that, that so was my what I really, because there is a part of me. Yeah, I would like, absolutely. You, you, you know, you get what you get. And you go, don't get upset. But like all families are, are in a weird way they always work out the way they're meant to be mm-hmm. the dynamics are at play there that that are just so beautiful but there's a part of me that would love to have twins if i could engineer for it next with i and some people are like no it's fine it's a breeze like no big deal and and like i look at you and you i would never know you had twins you look amazing and all my girlfriends actually weirdly who had twins are exactly like that so Thank you for being honest that it was actually really tough. It was a difficult body. pregnancy and it was like I was dragging it out till the bitter end. How I made, are you working? I like made that? it till like 36 and a half weeks or something. Wow. For my twin pregnancy, I think I stopped working around 34 weeks or something like that. Still, Still that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. How do body. you juggle so, so I mean, I'm I'm scared but also really tempted to ask what's you know, what's dinner time like at your house cuz you come home from a long day. You know, you're expected to be hugely professional obviously. Um and, and you know, how, wh- a when do you decompress and B, you know, how do you what's life? A lot of people with lots of kids will say they kind of live life like a drill sergeant. You know, people have their rhythm and their routine because otherwise it is just absolute chaos. And other people have you know, they're sort of free for all attitudes. So what's, what's, what's dinner time like at your house? So dinner time is, I'm fortunate that we have like a lot of help, you know, you and, have so, to. You and have I to. am the first to admit that my kids get a lot of stuff from me and I teach them different things. But one of those things is not, you know, how I'm making them dinner every night. So I don't really cook very much. Um, kind of like cookies once in a while, that type of, that's my speed. Um, but so for dinner, all the kids eat their own thing. We try to have everybody eat the same thing or at least a couple of bites of the same thing. Um, we, For our baby, who's nine months old, we'll mash up the um, adult food. food. That's and like so important. You talk about that all the time. To try to give them a little taste Flavors of that. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we just kind of make it work. We, I used to be really stressed about making sure my kids ate enough because I somehow, I think I've inherited this like fundamental mom tendency to want to feed your kids absolutely but um now i'm kind of like okay they're not hungry they're gonna stop eating when they're ready but it's important we had a whole podcast on that okay so what's the <laughs> go back to sorry the Botox yes. and... <laughs> go back. i know that we only have you yeah yeah see cal saying five more minutes so we have a lot of questions in five minutes um so we so do you okay botox fillers all these different kinds of things that i stuff that you don't even know about when women are in the years of having babies, is it safe to do? What do you what What do you tell people? Okay, so don't do anything that's not essential when you're pregnant or breastfeeding, and that's the best rule of thumb. You can definitely do whatever you want in between pregnancies, and you don't have to wait. 
Mm-hmm. And then just in terms of like a Botox and filler 101, because I know like everybody's curious about this, Botox is an injection that smooths wrinkles. It lasts for three to four months. Um, so most of the time people will need to do it seasonally. Fillers can last anywhere from three months to two years. And um, those today are fully dissolvable and they can be used for contouring. So they're almost like, you know, clay or you know, a modeling clay type of substance. Um, And you shouldn't do anything that presents a needless risk to your baby. So if you're trying to conceive, you can do whatever you want. But the minute you get a positive pregnancy test, you should stop. Um, I will say that I have accidentally gotten Botox while I was in early stages of pregnancy. And, you know, truly on a scientific level, it likely does nothing because it doesn't travel systemically in the same with fillers. But it's one of those things where, you know, life doesn't make you any promises. Bad stuff happens sometimes. And just why enter into that whole realm? Yeah, no, because that's what I've heard. Like some of my friends, they like freak out. They're like, oh, my God, I just got I just had Botox. But but because some people will say, don't do it for three to six months before you get pregnant. And they'll have had that happen. And they didn't. They found out they were pregnant. They weren't trying, whatever. Yeah. And they got pregnant. And then they're sure that their baby is going to have all sorts of problems. It It truly doesn't matter. The moment you get a positive pregnancy test is when the embryo implants into your uterine lining and that's when it's getting part of your systemic circulation. So Mm -hmm. even if you imagine that Botox is in your system, which it's definitely not, but even if it were to be, it wouldn't affect a free-floating embryo, let alone an oocyte or egg. What what if you're comfortable saying do you let anyone do to you and what who do you let do it to you who's allowed to touch Um, your face (laughs) so I do like a little bit of the things you know um and I think that um I really like practicing what I preach so I love yourself um I I do do my own Botox um yeah I think that um you know I if I could clone myself I would right um but it's one of these things where I'm a super detail-oriented and picky, meticulous person, and I want to make sure that things are kind of done to my specifications. Um, but I do. I use my own medical-grade skincare every day, um, and I like Botox. I think a little bit of judicious use of injectables can help maintain the way you look over time without making you look very different. Mm-hmm. And I just think that overall... Sometimes some of the best things that you can do are free. So if you sleep on your back, if you avoid the sun, don't smoke, don't drink excessively, just some of those simple things that on some level we all know we're supposed to do. Right. Um, that, that stuff makes a big difference. So you run your own practice. I do. Um which means you work for yourself, which is amazing. Which is key for my <laughs> life to be able to exist in its current form. Was that scary for you when you went out on your own? Like oh, what's totally. been the best part and the worst part of being? Oh my God. I have been in practice for um, five and a half years. And five and a half years ago, I was a nobody. I mean, I was like, I, I trained at all the best schools mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm not going to make you guys roll your eyes and gag at my CV. Um, but um, but I did have a great pedigree and good credentials and excellent training. But, you know, when you start a business, you're nobody. And I remember talking with my husband saying, okay, if I don't break even in a year, let's talk. And um, we'll like reevaluate if this is going to work out. And I broke even in a month. And um, it has been really, truly incredible. And I think I credit a lot of the success of my practice to amazing 
patients, some of whom have used their public platforms to be honest about a field where there are so many stigmas that Mm. unfortunately in the past, that's what's driven plastic surgery completely underground to these horrible back alley situations where people are getting bad things happening to them by unlicensed practitioners and hotel rooms and behind alleys, just like horrible, horrible stuff. And that happens because people are afraid to talk about it. So I have been really fortunate that I've taken care of some, you know, really amazing and generous people who've, um, who've, uh, spread the word, spread the word a little. (laughs) That's kind of amazing too. So you have your, you have seven year old and you have five year olds. Four year olds. Four year olds. Yeah. Okay. So, so right during this, so and your practice is five years old. Exactly. So you really had like one every single year, essentially, including your practice. And then yeah. you then you proceeded to have five children as you as I as built, the practice. built the practice. Yeah. And so you know when you work for yourself, the great part is that you can do whatever you want. But the difficult part is that you're your own you know strictest boss too. So I took a very small amount of maternity leave. Um, I did arrange my schedule so that I could spend some time with my kids, but um, but it's something that I always think about. And it's not so much about the work part of it. It's more just like I want to be present for my patients. Right. They become like, you know, like children in, in a different way. Like you want to take care of them well, and so make important. sure they're, so they might think they need them. you more. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so important for them as well. I mean, they're yeah. coming to you and they're they're putting their face in your hands. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about this with um, my assistant on the way here that we we were talking about how the weird thing about this field is that a totally regular, ordinary day in my life could be the most important day of somebody else's life. And that every day I try to remind myself to stay idealistic, never get cynical and always put myself in somebody else's shoes, because even though it's a random Tuesday for me, you know, for them, this could be a really huge deal. This could be the surgery that they've been planning on for months. They've gotten childcare. They've, you know, made this big financial commitment. It's a huge deal. It's their body. It's a permanent mm-hmm. change. My hands will stay with them forever. Um, so I think you have to kind of be deadly serious about some of those oh, things. Yeah, one hundred percent. What's the one thing? Sorry, I, I, we are we're going <laughs> to let you go soon. What, what, what's, I, I have three questions, and maybe right. you can answer any of them that you want. <laughs> What's the one procedure you think everyone, like I always say, I think if everyone in America would take probiotics, I feel like we would all feel better, look better. It would it would revolutionize the way that we operate. What's the one procedure you feel like everyone would love on themselves? <laughs> that is a good question. Okay, it's a toss up between a little bit of simple Botox because not only does that make you feel a little bit fresher and look mm-hmm. a little bit fresher, but if you're not as able to scrunch and frown as your resting expression, it elevates your mood a little bit. It's sort mm-hmm. of like that oh. old adage that everybody's mom tells you. you make headaches. Well, you, that, that if you get, no, that if you go like, not Botox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, like when you the scrunch, scrunching, the scrunching. Yeah, that's and a tension that some headache. People who, some people who do it, who do Botox, they do it because it's supposed to like, release, release the tension. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a little bit of that. And then my Thai answer was going to be um, microneedling. So I do this amazing yes. facial called the gold microinfusion microneedling where we microinject um, the dermis, thousands of tiny little needle pricks, and it's not painful, even though it sounds like it is, but they each stimulate collagen and elastin production. Um, and then we also deliver a customized cocktail of Botox, hyaluronic filler, and platelet-rich plasma, which is PRP from your blood, mm-hmm. into the skin. And you know, to make a long story short, 
it basically just gives you this dewy, glassy, glossy-looking skin. Mm. And even though we all get preoccupied with wrinkles and lips and cheekbones and all of that, there have been a lot of studies that show that the main thing you feel when you're looking at someone's face is the quality of their skin. So that's what gives you the like feeling of their age and vitality and youth. Wow. That's so interesting. What was the second question? The second question was what has been the most fulfilling day of your career? Have you or like what's been the most exciting thing exciting procedure you've ever gotten to do? Gosh. Um well the Or the most botched thing you had to correct. <laughs> like so, okay, those are two very different <laughs> questions. Um I think that um to me, really, every single surgery is like everything to me. I try to it's it's hard to explain, but um, every single operation is like me standing at the, you know, free throw line with three seconds left on the shot clock. And it's sort of like in and it's an opportunity and um, a desire and a struggle to try to make something exactly right and exactly perfect. So. There are certainly minor procedures like a little mole removal and major procedures like a face and neck lift, eyelid, breasts, tummy tuck, you know, et cetera. Um, But at every point in between, it's this ultimate responsibility where my work, my hands will stay with someone forever and the scars are permanent. So if I make them beautiful in an inconspicuous location and um, make everything as perfect and symmetrical as I can, then it's so meaningful to somebody. So I try to bring that same level of seriousness. But... I mean, in answer to your question, in terms of like the shock value answer, um, when I was in residency training, so I trained at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia Cornell, which is this amazing top ranked place. She had her last baby there. I've had all my babies there. I had all my, my babies dad there is too. There mm-hmm. Also, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I knew your dad when I was a resident at really? Columbia. Oh, yeah, no kidding. amazing. Um, and I've scrubbed with your dad before. So um, cool, <laughs> which is so cool. Um, I was like the anonymous little one in the background, but I'm sure you know. not. That's awesome. Um, so um, yeah, I think in those times, like what your dad does is amazing. Cardiac surgery is incredible. Transplant surgery is incredible. When I was a second year resident at Columbia, just being able to participate in getting on an airplane, like on a private jet and flying to um, retrieve organs from an organ harvest and bring them back to Columbia and help the team um, put them in another person and kind of the cycle of life. There's some really poignant moments in medicine. And now in plastic surgery, face transplantation is um, doing that for reconstructive problems where people have horrible dog bite or fire injuries. That's amazing. That's an incredible field. Wow, that's amazing. Wait, she has one more question. What's your last question? I'll ask her off off camera only because I (laughs) I want to ask her like if you're gonna do one thing to my face, what will it be? (laughs) You guys are both like impossibly perfect (laughs) for those of you. She's being nice. What's as like as soon as the I'm seeing them super up close. This is my professional opinion, (laughs) and you know. I think you guys look amazing and beautiful. Well, especially our lips, because we just I, used her lip plumper. Our lips are fabulous. <laughs> They've never been like, better. <laughs> you know, de- guys, definitely check out this um, this lip pump plumper thing that we just used. It smells like, and I don't want to say maybe it tastes like, but I watermelon. shouldn't taste it. Don't taste don't it. Taste but it. it. It gives the sensation taste of it. tasting it tastes, like watermelon. Yes. <laughs> Your idea is it tastes like watermelon, and I will work at not chewing things off my lips. And it's really nice. It doesn't sting. Like, you know, when there used to be those lip plumpers that would feel like cinnamon or something was biting mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. lips. This didn't feel didn't like that sting. at all, no, but it, it looks nice. amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm mm-hmm. in awe. Mm-hmm. I like so it. if you're not ready to do your lips, Let's then just, just do this. Just use a little, little, little platinum lip, lip plumper. plumper. Um, what is, we always ask people what their favorite thing is, aside from your own products and different stuff. Like, what is some like something that you're interested in right now? 
could be a makeup, it could be a product, it could be a clothing piece, it could be some shoes, it could be Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so many things. Um, Okay, so I love how I built this, the Guy Raz podcast. Mm -hmm. That's been like really fun for me. Um, On the makeup topic, a friend of mine launched this um, company, Able Cosmetics. And yeah, she's so sweet. And she um, she just taught me how to do a cat eye. So I've been doing that for like three days. So I hope it looks good. Makeup looks gorgeous. Um, So I'm practicing that. So I'm kind of into a cat eye. It's new. I know Nellie knows all about the cat eyes. She's so a, a, another friend of ours. Knows <laughs> big about cat that. eye believer. Um, so I'm doing cat eyes lately. Um, I'm a huge um, Nespresso fan. Mm, um, so I've been doing a lot of uh, coffee drinking just so that I can do all of the aforementioned topics in our podcast. Because you have a million children. <laughs> so you drink lots of coffee. Well, thank you so much. Now it's time for our favorite things. it's time for our favorite things. So mine today, on my way to work today, when I was stopping to get two coffees, I got two of them at the same time. Because You're into your mochas now. I did. I tried mocha, a mocha latte um, the other day, and I've been into it for a week. I am the kind of person that will be into something for like a week and a half, and then I never want to hear about it again, but I'll get like really into it. <laughs> the people at our local coffee shop, we go to this place called Mad Men Espresso. They're like, they just think that I'm like the weirdest person in the world because they get, they like learn and they're like, do you want the usual? And I'm like, no, no. you don't know my usual anymore. <laughs> it was my usual for two and a half months but now my usual is completely different um so anyway this this i we live in a in in the nyu area uh, where both alec and i went um and i a, a student came up to me and she said i love your shoes what are your shoes and um and you could tell that she was expecting me to say like something that was like five bajillion dollars and i said actually they're jessica simpson shoes and i got them on amazon and they're some of my favorite shoes i do have you know a a fancy shoe collection as well um, that I use for like red carpets and stuff like that. But I am a big walker and I am a big walker in either heels or slippers, by the way. So you'll either see me like one We I do extremes. I'm either in high heels or I am wearing slippers around the city. Um, but I, um, I get very sad when my shoes get scuffed up, especially when they're expensive shoes. And I think as most people would. So I decided that I would buy shoes that are super cute Super comfortable if you ever can think of high heels as being comfortable. They are. I don't know how they do it. They're they're Jessica Simpson shoes. They're so comfortable because they're soft. The leather is kind of softer. So it's like it's not. And my trick also with high heels, and I have wide feet, so this does not work if you have narrow feet. But I have wide feet, and I buy my shoes too big. I know. I feel like I feel like I'll trip when I do that. But do you have narrow feet? Not particularly. Do you have very? Uh, my feet are very you do, wide. But your feet are like extra like hands, monkey feet. Like they they grip it's on from, things it's from my yoga, <laughs> my yoga-ness. I can pick things up. I also grew up without a TV, so my brother would like entertain ourselves. Here, but like, catch this pencil we literally like, would like throw pens toes. on the floor and then pick them up. I mean, you have to buy your time sometimes, right? But like, you know, when you were we a do. kid, like it was fun to to spend fifteen minutes trying to pick something up with your yes, toes that you could have gotten. Well, we also couldn't like you know just turn something on, so we were like. How are we going to spend our day? Let's spend an hour picking up things with our toes. So I'm very, I'm very good with my toes. So I buy shoes too because I hate uncomfortable feet. Um, although that might not work for your foot shape. But anyway, I love them. So if you look on on Amazon and other places online, um, I just am the the one the one stop shop place. Um, and you you can get these shoes and they come in so many different colors. And I find that once you figure out the size that you like. 
they somehow all of the different styles fit. I agree. Every time I've bought a pair of Jessica Simpson shoes, I have been really happy with them. And everybody loves them. I get so many compliments all the time. They're good styles. And then you feel like if I walk around the city, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not walking around in, you know, my... You know, you have magical feet though, because you're in heels all the time. I feel like the ball of my foot always suffers. Oh, does it? Yeah. No, I've Um, got. You know what? Mine are my my very thick uh, pads. See, part cat. I've got pads (laughs) on the bottom of my feet from all my years of athletic things. I love it. So they don't hurt. I love it. But these are kind of cushy too. They're. I'm. I'm telling you. I think that they have like extra cushion at the ball, which is why they're so comfortable. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that they do. Anyway, I highly recommend that you guys should all get a pair of Jessica Simpson shoes, at least one or seven. And while you're at it, you can go ahead and pick up my favorite thing, which is actually shoes for kids. So I don't know why I have the hardest time buying shoes for my kids, not only because I feel like the sizing is always changing. It's like there are 31 in some brands and there are size 12 in other brands. And like they, the, the shoes don't make any sense to me. I don't understand how it's you stressful. jump from a 12 to a mm-hmm. one. I don't like none of it makes any sense. So I only ever end up buying my kids shoes at an actual shoe store, which is also kind of good because um a lot of the times there the, the the technicians there can actually help you find like if your kid needs ankle support or less ankle support or whatever they they're very helpful but i have finally found a brand and it was you know we get sent a lot of stuff I want to be totally candid. Like, I don't talk about 90% of the stuff that I get sent because 90% of the stuff I get sent, I don't think you should buy. But um, the this brand of shoes called Pop MyPopShoes.com. And again, guys, remember, we always link to our recommendations in the description of the podcast. So this episode will have the link to these shoes and the link to the Jessica Simpson shoes um, Ilari was talking about. But anyway, I got sent a bunch of these shoes for the kids. And every single pair my kids are obsessed with, they are... My my son got lace up ones, which I'm like as a mom I'm terrified to buy mm-hmm. lace up shoes. He's obsessed with these shoes. I guess they're mesh and they're breathable. He loves them so much. They also much. get really into learning how to tie their shoes. Yes, totally. He's a little early for that. Oh, at he's, three, way, he's but, way too young. Yeah, but he's but gonna be. Wait, he's into it. Wait, okay. So here's the best part, though. They also sent us a bunch <gasps> of oh, light up. Oh, they're light up. Yes, I Velcro love these. vegan. Um, like really washable. They're super durable. Wow. And then the, the pair that they wear all the time are these two Velcro straps. They have these really mm-hmm. chic all white ones now that I'm actually literally ordering for the children as we speak right now. Um, but anyway, I feel like they're the kind of thing that that uh, that they can be dressed up, dressed down. They're sneakers. You don't have to worry about, you know, taking super, making them super precious. They're LED lights that you can charge with your uh, like iPod charger. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, the kids are super into them. And I, I think some of your kids will, too, will be, too. Light up shoes are like they're, <laughs> all they're, the rage. they're all the rage. And I think that they have been for a really long time. We have these same shoes as well. And yeah, and LA lights. Remember, they were like them. the thing. They love them. So, yes. So get 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 shooed. Get shooed. Get shooed today for you and your children. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Spread the word. Rate. Review. Nice things, please. Nice things. Talk we, to us. Talk to us. talk to us on Instagram at MomBrain. Talk to us on our YouTube channel, MomBrain. Email talk us. Talk to us in our email inbox, mombrainpod at gmail.com. You can t- come to us you you know, on the street. You can find us on the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we walk around a lot. <laughs> Daphne's always traveling somewhere. You'll probably find it's like, Honestly, where in the world is Daphne? I She's the new all Where's kinds Waldo? of friends in the airports. I meet yeah, lots no, of I'm fun sure. people. Da- Daphne knows everybody. <laughs> uh, I just look like a bag lady, so maybe they don't come no, up to me. No, no, no. Always come up to Daphne. Always come up to both of us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll talk next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. 
Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.